Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with Cloud9 Podcast, and I'm with my my guest, Guy Rubin, CEO of Epsta. How's How it going? Doing? doing well, man. Thanks for joining. Good, good to uh, good to be part of it. Yeah, I, I I can see for the last seven years you have been helping sales leaders and marketing leaders around the world engage better with their their prospects, customers, which is which is awesome. We we need the help now more than ever. Well, um, I'd like to think uh, we're making some good progress. Um, we've, um, yeah, we have well over a thousand companies now using Ebster to uh, to drive sales productivity and uh, and get the most value out of uh, out Salesforce. Nice. So for today's topic, a lot of our followers, uh, a lot of our uh, the people who listen to this podcast are, are leaders, sales leaders, and CEOs. That they that some of them could be from the UK. You know, we're seeing a lot more of the global. Um, global SaaS companies enter. So I'd love to talk about what it's like expanding to new markets, um, even specifically in the US, because I know that that Epsta was founded in the UK, right? Um, and I just love to hear about that journey of, of you know, what it what it takes um, to open up shop in the States and just and, and continue to scale your organization. Yeah, so um, we've been in the States now for uh, nearly three years. Um, we've got uh, a team in, in San Diego. Uh, so we we, we needed to be on the West Coast um, and felt that San Diego was kind of a, as close as we could get to San Francisco without... I like it a lot better than San Francisco from a, from a living well, standpoint. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, uh, from a business perspective, I think, uh, obviously, all roads seem to lead to San Francisco, uh, especially in the kind of B2B SaaS world. But, um, yeah, we, we've, we've been over in California now uh, or had a team out there for, for nearly three years. Um, and, uh, and recently we put boots on the ground in Australia. So um, we're now servicing our APAC customers out there uh, from Melbourne. Where, um, from Melbourne? Yes, yeah. Nice. So, uh, uh, again, to be honest, a lot of that came down to just ha- having the right people in the right place at the right time, um, people that were willing to relocate, um, or Americans that, were, uh, that worked in the UK office uh, and went back to the States and, and uh, we kind of work with them to, to build out the right office and, and, to, and to build it in a place that worked for them. So uh, we, we were very lucky to have, have the right people uh, on the team. Awesome. Now, now, when it comes to operating in the U.S., um, do you find that the way businesses operate in the U.K. and the U.S. is very similar or are there some major differences that stand out to you? Oh, there's loads of differences. Um, so, so many. Uh, so, I mean, for example, it, August, um, Europe almost shuts down for August. So uh, we... Uh, I've actually just got back from from the West Coast because we moved the, the the sales function kind of wholesale over to California for a month because we couldn't we couldn't afford just to stop. Uh, so uh, it feels like the U.S. doesn't really stop for August. So we decided to relocate and spend most of our time in August out out there. So that's one good example of how uh, how the, the the markets are very very different. Yeah, yeah. Every, I think everyone in in the U.K. is going to Ibiza for the summer, right? And there's, there's taking, yeah, <laughs> they're taking off. No one does any business in August. And, and uh, as Americans, um, we don't ever turn it off. Uh, I was about to actually tell you I'm coming out to Australia and I'm going to come visit your office. And I was laughing because I'll be coming on a vacation. So I'm, gl- I'm glad I didn't say that because it goes to show you that we don't we don't stop, which is uh, a good thing, I guess, if you're a CEO of a organization and you want to keep busy in August, but not so good if if uh, for the the health perspective of just constantly working. Um, so that's a yeah. major change. What about from a uh, an actual like employee standpoint? Are you finding that um, U.S. reps take a longer or shorter to onboard than U.K. reps? Or is there, is there more uh, access to software talent? How does that look like? 
Uh, we've been we've been very lucky uh, with the team that we've got. Um, it, it's fair to say uh, there's a lot more um, competition for resources uh, in California than there is in Europe, um, in particular in San Francisco, which is probably the main reason we 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 decided not to actually open up a sales office, at least to start with in San Francisco. Um, although I, I wouldn't rule it out for next year, uh, fingers crossed. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the the demand for sales resources in California is, is much, much higher um, and you have to pay more. And um, and while while because the demand is there, you get, you, you attract, uh, I'm sure, uh, good quality resources are coming in from all over the country uh, to base themselves on the West Coast. There is so much demand um, that you can actually, it can be, be hit and miss whether you find the good quality heads or not. And we've certainly been guilty of uh, hiring people that have cost a lot of money that perhaps didn't, didn't perform as well as expected. Um, so uh, yeah, we always have to be careful on that front, but uh, as long as you know what you're asking them to do and you're um, very clear with the onboarding process, uh, you, you have to assume that this is gonna be a certain amount of churn. Um, but if you get the right people in uh, and you, you can kind of set benchmarks as to what you expect out of them in the first few months, then hopefully that's, uh, that, that clears out the, uh, the ones that aren't right. Now, now are you hiring, are you hiring uh, account executives and sales development reps? Um, how does your organization work currently? Are, are sales development reps under sales mm-hmm. or under marketing? We've been through a huge transition. Uh, we, we were a very low touch, um, almost zero touch, kind of try before you buy, um, kind of two week trial, uh, uh, um, solution uh, when we started. So very low ticket item uh, to start with. The business has really kind of transformed into much more kind of an enterprise solution. So uh, average deals values are much higher. Um, instead of buying one or two licenses for a few of your reps, um, most of our customers now have a kind of a site license for everybody. The nature of what we now do means that we, we, we use mail, uh, email traffic to understand all the relationships a company has and we then surface that data in Salesforce. So you wouldn't necessarily get as much value out of what we do if you only bought it for kind of half a dozen reps and didn't actually have the entire business's kind of relationships locked down and inside Salesforce. So the proposition has changed dramatically, which means the ticket price has changed dramatically, which means the sales process has changed dramatically. Um, and so, yeah, we, we certainly, um, you know, it wasn't unusual where we get 100, 150 companies a day installing our kind of freemium products a few mm-hmm. years back. Um, now we live in a world where, you know, if we get one or two inbound, good quality inbound leads a day, that's, that's a lot for us. Um, so it's, it's a very different proposition now. So over the 70 years, you've, you've seen the market change, right? You, you've seen it, you've seen it go from let's, let's open up our technology, give free users, marketing, digital marketing getting these guys in SEO blog articles, right? Um, yeah. then we, we would convert them into two or three sales guys can use it, but now you've moved upstream. It's an enterprise product, uh, and now you're introducing sales development reps, right? Do you have sales development reps? Yeah, and 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 to be to be blunt, as a as a kind of self-funded startup, uh, I, I started by doing a lot of that work myself. Um, so you know, going out, meeting people, and 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 working the sales process. Because frankly, if, if I can't close the big deals, then then I, I can't expect others. Oh, I I love that you said that. I'm, I'm like we're both aligned. Uh, I call myself. I'm still an SDR for my team and uh, I think we met um, by doing events right I think we met last year at Dreamforce at a yeah. video event um, from First Cut I remember now there you go so yeah, yeah. I mean, you know we we, um, 
you know, we have to lead the lead the path. Uh, you know, I, I think every year I've been here, I've I've always been the top villa. So, uh, and I kind yeah. of I wear that badge quite quite well. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, we have to lead by example. And um, and frankly, by working the sales process, you find all, all the snags, all the challenges, anything, all the friction that slows down that process. Um, and then you're in a position to actually kind of support the sales function. Um, uh, and you know, frankly, while while I do actively get involved in those sales processes, I uh, uh, I certainly don't get paid commission on the deals, and, and so I, I always allocate the deals to one of the sales guys, and just and they, they uh, we joke that I'm their meeting monkey. So I'll you're the joker. Up, you're the joker card. You play every role. I'll turn right. up at any meeting, absolutely. Um, yeah. and do what I'm told. So yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, in your past, just out of curiosity, were you ever? Did you start your career at, at, in sales, where you were hitting the phones and grinding like the rest of us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our first software business uh, was uh, a company called iProfile, uh, which we were involved in setting up in 2000, and we were involved there until 2007. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we um, my, my job was to was to was to sell the product, and, and my business partner Zach, who owns the other half of Ebster, uh, his 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 uh, job was to build it. So. Yeah. He would build it, I would sell it, and uh, and that worked pretty well for about seven years. And eventually, we decided, well, why don't we go and do this for ourselves? And uh, yeah, that that's the that's where the journey started. So a lot of you know a lot of uh, a lot of SDRs that could be listening into this. A lot of the, a lot of SDRs forget they ask like, what's a career path for an SDR? Is it SDR to AE? And in reality, if you peel back the onion of a lot of sales leaders, um, CEOs, they've they've done SDR work. Right. And, and people, people forget to talk about that. Right. Cause I think, I think you don't say, Hey, here's your SDR career path and you're going to become a CEO. But in reality, if you are able to start conversations with strangers, identify their problems and help them solve it, it really opens up any kind of role. Right. It's like you, that's, that's the difficult part, right? Everything else is, I wouldn't say easier, but with, from that skill set, you can really move on to a lot of areas. Like I, I was selling door to door copiers and water machines and, um, you know, I had my first, my first uh, telemarketing team at 23 years old and, and hitting the phones, 150 calls a day. And people forget that, right? I think they, they see, they, they see Guy Rubin, CEO of an international software company. They don't see, um, the SDR work that you're putting in. Right. So I think a lot of people need to be reminded about that. That's, yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Um, look, I, I think, uh, the reason I was the most successful SDR when I was doing the job was be, was not because I, I had any secret sauce. It, it was purely that my activity levels were higher than everybody else's. I, I worked longer hours. I made more calls. I had more meetings. I, I um, and because of that, I achieved more. And and it really really was a numbers game. Um, and um, and once you get into a gro a groove, once you once you become a rainmaker uh, for a business, uh, or you have the skill to to generate revenue, then, then frankly, um, uh, there's a journey you can go on to, to do it for yourself. Uh, and, I, and I'd encourage people to, to, to take that leap. I think it's, um, uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, and, and, you know, I probably only spend 20% of my time doing sales these days, uh, but I still think my activity levels are higher than everybody else's. Now we're on the same team guy. I was literally, I'm literally messaging people. I can't, I can't stop. It's like, it's like an, it turned into an addiction, high activity mm -hmm. sales levels. If that makes any sense, um, yeah, you know it's it's not it's not unusual for for me to have a meeting before uh, before nine o'clock, um, and, and it's and to continue on and, and have dinner and meetings over dinner and, and then beyond. So, um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's all about time management. And frankly, if you if you want to, if if 
if you want to be wealthy, if you want to be rich and, and make money doing uh, in sales, then then um, you can you can always hone and improve your message. Uh, but if your activity levels are higher than everybody else's, you'll make more money than everybody else. Well, it's that saying, right? Champions are made when nobody's looking, right? Yeah. See, I like the shots uh, they're taking, then there's no cameras on, right? And 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 if you're not doing sales activities, someone else is. Yeah, I, I heard um, I heard a famous uh, golfer was talking about how lucky he was, and he he said that um, it's funny how how the more I practice, the lucky I become. So. So I think you're right. You know, if you if you're you've got to be in it to win it, and, and the more opportunities you're working, and the more deals you're working, and the, and, and the close and the volume of activity that you keep up, will will lead to to more results. Makes sense. So back to like the global expansion, were, yes. was the same onboarding boot camp. Um, well, first, I'd like to learn more about your onboarding boot camp, and second, is it the same onboarding, same trainers for the U.S. team as the U.K. team, and how long is that boot camp for we, SDRs? We spend, uh, we, so, funny enough, we just hired a couple of guys uh, in in uh, California who who are going to be uh, who are flying over this weekend. So, uh, the first thing anybody who joins the business does is is come and spend time in the London office. Uh, this is the heart of, of the business. Um, um, we don't, for example, have any outsourced development. Everything is done in central London um, and, and they get to meet the team. They get to feel the ethos, the, the kind of culture. Um, and yeah, they go, we've got a pretty kind of strict onboarding process we go through, um, trying to really kind of get them to a point where uh, I suppose they bleed Ebster. That's the aim. Um, so that wherever they are, whoever they're talking to, they're enthusiastic about what they do and they want to be part of the team. Um, How long is this training? How long is it, what, how long is the? Uh, so they'll, they'll arrive on the 23rd of January, uh, sorry, 23rd of September, they'll be in the office and they'll head back to California on the 1st of November. So about five weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that that's... Gets them, gives us an opportunity to really kind of embed them into the team. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a long way, it's a long way away. And with the time difference, you know, we only get an hour or two a day kind of, um, you know, in working hours. And so that, that, I mean, there's not a huge amount of overlap. Um, so it's really important that they, they when they leave here, they, they're taking the message with them and they're, they're kind of on board and, and clear as to what their, their, their mission is for, for the next six months. 100%. Now, now, are your SDRs following up with free users, MQLs, or, or are they calling complete strangers, or is it a mix, or separated? Uh, it's a mix. We've, our marketing department's now evolved into what we call our demand gen team. So um, the SDRs are now part of the marketing function. Um, and the sales team only pick up opportunities kind of once they've been qualified through. So um, we do we do all the social stuff. Uh, we have our own webinar. Um, we call Sales Ops Demystified. We probably interview two or three kind of sales ops leaders um, uh, a week, um, and um, and that that gives us some insights to what they're doing, and and really gives us an opportunity to expose what we do to them. Um, and yeah, very active on social. Um, we. We moved away from the freemium model uh, for now, at least, uh, where um, uh, as, as we found it, 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 it was, we had lots and lots of engagement, but it didn't necessarily, it's, it was very easy for the sales team to spend time with opportunities that were never going to close or deals that were very, very low value. Um, and, and it became a distraction. So um, uh, we felt that it was, it was a, a better approach to, to really focus on trying to, to educate the market, get our collateral out there. We do a lot of video now as well. I don't know if you've seen Oliver Squire. Yeah. Shout out to Oliver, who's, uh, who's on, who does uh, uh, LinkedIn videos now almost every day. Um, and uh, and he, he gets a lot of traction with that. So 
Yeah, it, it's, it's all about that consistency, engagement, um, shows as well. We found show, we've just come back from LA World Tour. Uh, that was really good for us. Um, uh, we're now just thinking about what, what we're going to do for Dreamforce. Um, New York World Tour comes up in December. So, yeah, all, uh, events seem to do well for us. Uh, and frankly, we have a phenomenal conversion rate. Once we sit in front of a decision maker and talk to them about the challenges they have around forecasting and, uh, and, uh, and client retention and basically nurturing the relationships they have across quite a large relation, uh, quite a large organization, um, it's quite an easy sell. So uh, it's just about finding, getting access to the right people and networking, you know, asking existing customers for introductions, that kind of thing works really well as well. So, so back to like the SDRs, uh, what would you say like during month one, do they have any KPIs and ex- expectations or is it let's learning app stuff? Like where, where does the actual results come in as a KPI and, and what are those KPIs? I'm, I'm very curious. I, I, you know, I, what I'm hearing is KPIs are changing, right? Uh, fast. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear where you're at with what the expectation is for an SDR and when that starts happening. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really simple for us. Um, uh, we, we work, um, we, we expect uh, an SDR to book 10 meetings a week um, and that should lead to two qualified opportunities a week. So that's kind of the, the, the stats that we're aiming at. And we, we feel that that, that, that line in the sand, um, it's, it's not unreasonable to see, to see people kind of overachieve those numbers. So they're booking almost 40 appointments a month. That's, that's yes. And then and that, that, it's fair to say they're taking, um, we're still getting a lot of installs, so they get a lot of people to engage with. Um, but yes, they're, they're, they'll... And they need to be qualified meetings. They're people that have kind of meet certain criteria. Um, so they, they're, they're, they're making 40 qualified meetings. Qualified. That's um, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the line that we aim at. And, and that should lead to kind of eight to 10 qualified uh, kind of sales qualified leads uh, a month through by per rep. Okay. So, so basically six to eight are the meetings because we we'll consider a meeting qualified, right? 40 yeah, is like, 40 is, person, 40 yeah. is like engagement conversations. Yeah, that's that's. So you're looking at like 40 conversations engaged and be like, like this is a real, this is an appointment that my accounting executive is now going to actually explore, and then the number's eight. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. Two a week. Two a week is the aim. Uh, they should be booking uh, qualified meetings for the same. Okay, that sounds to me. Now we're talking, right? Because 40, I was about to just hire you guys to be SDRs for us because that's uh, what we've. That's all relative, right? It's all relative to your to your ACV. Sure. Um, but we're finding that 15 qualified meetings used to be kind of a standard for an ACV of about 25K. Not right. sure where your ACV is, but I think it's probably in that ballpark now. Um, and now we're finding that it's gone down um, to about 10. So you're at eight. So that sounds realistic. Now, the reason why it's gone down is not because performance has gone down. It's because the way people buy has changed in a sense that yeah. you'll send email, social, and they can unsubscribe your email, they can hang up your call, but they might go to your site and download and install. So the number might still be 15, it's just that the other ones are signed up themselves. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, so yeah, look, for, for us, um, if, if the sales guys get eight qualified meetings a week, a month, then they're, they're, they're happy with, with that for, from the SDRs. Um, the, uh, obviously, over and above that, there'll be networking events and and uh, and uh, and looking for other opportunities to sell as well 100%. well realistic expectations is huge right a lot of a lot of leaders um and a lot of sales are listening to this call like i i think uh jake dunlap was posting about this yesterday he, he's that guy's very transparent and just kind of throwing the reel out there he was saying that um one of the causes of high in sdr churn is just false expectations and bad lead data 
right? Yeah. Um, I need to make 15 qualified meetings, right? And the managers don't can't do it themselves, but they expect people to do it. Then you fire somebody, but let's, re let's remember the cost of firing somebody could be the cost of a year's salary and replacing somebody. That's kind of what they, they say. So it's good that you have solid expectations um, because... It, it's great if they can overachieve, right? So they, they get bonuses based on overachieving that number and... and, um, uh, and so to be beat. Exactly. So yeah. uh, we, we want them to, to to kind of ring that bell. We want them to achieve that goal and and to get to the end of the month of, and and have an overachieved. Now, now, do your do your SDRs join the discovery call with AEs, or are they just kind of handing it off? Uh, it's a it's a good question. I think um, um, certainly for training purposes, to, to kind of they'll certainly sit in on some of the calls. But once they're up to speed, they're just cracking on. They're, they've got a very clear goal and. Um, uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 the better they qualify the opportunity. So they earn, they get a spiff for, for booking the meeting. And then if the meeting converts, then they, they can earn out the deal as well. So uh, there's a quite, quite good relationship between the, the sales guys and the, and the SDRs because they, they're encouraging each other to kind of get the deals done and get the meetings booked. That's awesome. Now, what about from, from a data perspective? Are you finding that data is more available in the U.S. market? Um, I know you also have APAC in it, but it, it, let's just talk about APAC. Let's talk about the U.S. and EMEA. Are you finding that data is more accessible and readily available in the U.S. versus the U.K. and EMEA? Yeah, look, oh, look we're, we're blessed because we, we've had over 50,000 companies install Ebster over the years. Yeah. So we, we have visibility of a lot of data uh, in-house. But when you're trying to get access to, to, to data, um, Certainly, in the U.S. is a whole lot easier. Um, there are companies offering to sell uh, European data, but um, it, you know it's a very grey area, and, and it's not something you know we, we kind of pride ourselves to be whiter than white on everything like GDPR, um, and so we, we just can't play that game. Um, while others will, uh, it's not for us. Um, and and you know, who knows how how strong the uh, the legislation or the penalties will be? But but we just couldn't be. You know, we, we manage a lot of data on behalf of our customers and we, we can't be perceived in any way to be doing anything that's not, you know, whiter than white. So, so we certainly don't buy uh, European data, um, uh, even though it's on offer quite regularly. Um, I'm not sure of the quality of it anyway, but um, in the US, you know, it's, it's a commodity space. You can, you can pick and choose uh, your supplier for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly more difficult in Europe. Do you currently work with like a discover.org or ZoomInfo or anybody in the US or...? Right now, yeah, we've we've tried a few of them. I think the what we find is that the first the first kind of data is always very good, and then kind of it diminishes very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we try not to commit to long term agreements with those suppliers, and we'll, we'll kind of move from one to the next and, and move on from there. So yeah, I think we've. Um, uh, in fact, I'm not going to name names, but we we've just moved on from one supplier and started with a different one. Interesting. Yeah. That is a very, I mean, it, people forget to mention that the success of a, of a sales organization starts with its data, right? Like if you don't, if you don't have good seeds, you're not going to get a good harvest, right? And that's kind of what, what it's overlooked, often overlooked. Um, but it's interesting too, right? Because I think data is also like, what is good and bad data, right? You're talking about emails from cell phone numbers, right? It, it depends how your sales team is, is geared. Are they geared to, are you a believer in the phones or a believer in the emails, right? Because that's a different story. Uh, when it comes to data quality, right? Um, and, you know, we try yeah, to have both. Ultimately, but, it's all about engagement, right? So, you know, emails and calls are, are, are certainly a form of engagement, but there's so much online now. And, and actually, um, you know, following the right people and, and commenting on their posts and, um, 
you know, inviting them to, to be part of a webinar, for example. These are all great tools that can all be used to, to, to engage with, with your audience. Um, and, yeah. you know, we're not selling, um, you know, what, what we sell these days is, is not a kind of a one-time purchase. It's not a kind of a hard sell that you, you want to get someone over the line and then you leave them alone. You, you know, this is, a, this is a effectively partnerships where we're working very closely with our customers. Um, and so you really want to build up credibility as you're going through that journey. And, and it should almost be a, an obvious partnership where, you, where, where they want to work with you guys. Um, uh, certainly in B2B, um, uh, we, we found that, that it's about building up that credibility and building those relationships over a long period of time. And, and that usually eventually leads to, to, to business coming in. Well, I think we have a, a pullback to that, right? I think, I think all of a sudden automation came in, everyone's like, great, this is awesome. And now people are like, give me somebody I can relate to. Right. And it's like, it's making yeah. that pull back to, to people buying from real people um, and people engaging with real people. And it's, I hope this lasts. Um, maybe it's a precursor to just automation getting smarter. Right. It, 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 and, and that's probably where it's going to go, but it just goes to show you that um, we still want to interact with people um, and not just have automation and, and pers- you know, yeah, no personal connection. Found- uh, you know, first contact um, using video and email works really well as well. We're getting a much better conversion right now using a kind of one minute video intros and then leaving them a voicemail or a LinkedIn message to let them know that I, it's me, I'm a real person and I've sent you a one minute video. You should really take a look at this. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I understand. Uh, well, look, this is way of proving that, that you're not a machine sending an automated email. A hundred percent. Look, the cool part about this is is both organizations help. uh, We help leaders scale their organizations, right? And I think it's up to us to educate um, the world about what we see and what's going on, right? And and you being a CEO that is heavily involved with the sales development, right? Uh, I think that puts you in a really good situation to to just help the community and 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 motivate other SDRs and account executives that hey. It's never too late to prospect, right? Um, you don't need to just wait for leads, sure. right? And, and that's what happens. Also, you know, don't underestimate the volume of relationships you've got already within your organisation. You know, we we um, the nature of what we of, the, of our product is is all about understanding that actually the larger the business you, you've got, the, the more relationships you've got around the organisation, and uh, um, and you'd be surprised how few organisations really hunt as a pack and work as a unit. Yeah, because um, actually. Uh, uh, you already have most of the relationships that you need, especially if you're a larger player. Um, and the idea that you're constantly trying to knock down new doors and break down new doors and, and, and go into places that you've never spoken to or engaged with before, when actually there's a huge amount of kind of warm opportunity with companies that know your brand, people that, that have engaged with someone in your business before, even if they haven't bought before. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what relationships that you already have and when you last engage with them and what relationships perhaps are going cold so that you can start to reinvigorate or re-energize those is, is really key. Yeah, no, um, I, agree. I agree with you 100%. It's almost like pre-customer success before they become customers. It's like, it's like doing that same thing on just the people you've engaged with, lost opportunities, friends, networks, right? It makes a lot of sense. And if you're churning 30% of your sales staff, if they spend the last 12 months building relationships and then they leave, you know, what are you doing to make sure that the relationships they built you know, aren't going stale? Yep. Um, you know, or, or if, if you've got a transaction-based business, we, we do, we've got about 300 recruitment companies use Ebster now. And, uh, and that's a fascinating one where people are breaking down doors all day long to, to kind of engage with hiring managers. And those hiring managers will, will recruit for a period of time and then they won't recruit for a period of time. And, 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 knowing, and, and, and so the recruiter will move on to another door and, and start knocking on a, on a new door. But actually nurturing the relationship they've just been building is, is key. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And if that person leaves the business, again, who's picking up those relationships and being able to report on which relationships are actually uh, uh, available to you and which haven't been engaged with, uh, you know, knowing companies that's bought from you in the last two years but haven't engaged with anyone in the last three months, it's a huge pull of opportunity. No, I agree. Um, I'm like, listen, you guys have had tremendous success helping organizations have that insight. So uh, you wouldn't get those downloads every day. You wouldn't be growing. You wouldn't be expanding. So there's obviously a lot more help to be out there. Guy, this has been, this has been great. Um, I, I, I love this conversation. I think that anyone listening who's looking to expand to new markets needs to reach out to Guy. Anybody who's looking to, looking to get more insights um, into what's going on in their Salesforce and to connect with you, where can anyone listening find you? Is it LinkedIn, Facebook? What are you using? Yeah, um, easy way to reach you? I'm, I'm pretty open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so, so connect with me there. Um, obviously, you'll find a lot of information on Um if you want to find out any more about us. But uh, yeah, look, uh, always happy to help. Uh, other fellow entrepreneurs um good luck to the community and uh yeah look forward to engaging with you more uh, over, the, over the coming months likewise and anybody if you guys see guy at any of these events go up to him shake his hand he's the most approachable person you'll find at events he's he's a networker um, he's not sitting behind email uh, he's getting out there he's traveling and he's, he's meeting people and he's helpful um i appreciate the advice you've given us and uh this has been awesome looking forward to talking to you again soon guy take care all right fantastic good to see you guys. thanks again see you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.